This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Our scripture reading for today is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 to 12. I'll give you a moment to grab your Bibles for those of you who are at home and uh, or for you to turn on your Bible apps. We're reading from 1 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth then go, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you have loved him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, search intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing to when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even the angels long to look into these things. This is the word of the Lord. Our Pastor Andrew will now come to explain this passage to us. Good morning, everyone. Oh, you can't reply me, right? (laughs) It's such a joy and privilege to be with God's people in a physical place. And I hope you have your Bible with you because I'll be looking closely at the passage and you can actually examine if what is shared is according to what God says in His Word. So those who are uh, at home, please keep your Bible open as we look 
at this passage together. Let me just adjust in short while. All right, why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning that we can gather amidst the rain or at our own home. We pray, God, in the midst of our busyness in a week, that as we gather, that your Holy Spirit will calm our hearts and bring our minds to focus upon your word. May your Holy Spirit guide us that we can understand your truth and our hearts and our hands can respond rightly to you. For your glory and yours alone, we plead. Amen. Now, when we first moved to Singapore about five years ago, my son would say this to us all the time. I'll only be 1% more at home here for each passing year. So I'll ask him the second year, he says 2%, 3%, 4%. And not too bad, this year 5%. As I ask him each year, I learn two things from my son. The first thing is this. It is very difficult and it can be very challenging if you feel different even though you look the same as everyone else. But I learned the second thing from him, that even the most determined person, given the time, will eventually conform to the environment. This experience is true actually for all of us because you and me, we naturally do not like to feel uncomfortable, unaccepted, or different. And so over time, we'll find various ways to feel at home in our environment. It could be our accent, our slangs. It could be the way we live our lives. And if we are not careful, it could well be our own worldview. We're drawn towards comfort and acceptance, and we tend to avoid struggles and rejections. And so today's passage is very, very important because it is a passage that addresses Christians in every generation on our Christian identity in this world and our Christian inheritance in a world that is to come. Now, how does Peter begin this letter? Can I invite you to look at 1 Peter 1 verse 1? as I read it for us. Okay, you have your Bible. Um, please read with me. First Peter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, Peter, he's the apostle of Christ. He begins by addressing his readers in the first century with three important words. Elect, exiles, and scattered. Or to say it differently, he's calling his uh, readers the chosen one, living as temporary residents who are dispersed everywhere. Now I want to spend some time looking at these first three words, elect, exiles, and scattered, because these three words will set the foundation for today's passage. Now if you were to ask me, Andrew, can you give us right at the start a summary statement of today's passage? I'll simply put it this way, that Christians, remember we have a glorious identity and future 
but we are not home yet. No, if you like, you could even look at your neighbor who is a Christian and just whisper until your mask to say, we're not home yet. No, parents, as you pick up your kids, if they complain to you about school or that they're hungry, look at them with all conviction and say, we're not home yet. No, right now, I'm, I'm speaking ahead of myself, but I want to put this right out to you so that as you open your Bible and look at it, see if this is exactly what Peter wants to say to his readers. You can probably come up with a longer and sharper statement after the sermon, but that is your homework. But come, look with me now back to verse 1 again. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, historically, the elect or the chosen refers to the ancient Israelites who gathered around God's law. But here, Peter is addressing or using the word elect or chosen to refer to Christians who are surrounding the Christ. In fact, Peter seems to be addressing Gentile Christians here. We'll see more of that in verse 14 and 18 next week. So now the elect in 1 Peter refers to God's chosen Christians who gathers around Christ. And meanwhile, exiles are the temporary residents bring to mind God's people who were living as slaves in Egypt or as foreigners later in Babylon. In both cases, God's people, whether it's Egypt or Babylon, they had to be reminded that God had promised them a perfect place and a perfect relationship with a perfect king and they must fix their eyes on that promise. Whether they're suffering or they were tempted to conform, the Israelites are to remind themselves and their children, whether born in Egypt or Babylon, that they are not home yet. Whether they are there in Egypt or Babylon, they need to remember that is not home. Now consider the greatest Israelite in Egypt back then. His name was Joseph. He was like the father to Pharaoh. But this is what happened to Joseph. That at his deathbed, Joseph did not think of how to build a pyramid in his own name. He made the people swear that when they leave Egypt and enter the promised land, they bring his bones with them. Now, there's another famous story, Daniel and the lion's den. Uh, many of us, if you're a Christian or have been to Sunday school, you've heard the story. What amazes me in that story is not that the lions did not eat Daniel. What amazes me is why Daniel ended up in the den. Because Daniel was the greatest Jew of all time in Babylon and Persia, but he refused to acknowledge that at his home. When his enemies wanted to trap him and say to the king, and the king gave Darius gave an edict that they are not to pray to any gods or human except the king, you know what Daniel did? He went back home, he opened up his window that faces Jerusalem, and for three times each day, he prays and he gives thanks to God, and that landed him in the lion's den. To put it simply, both Joseph and Daniel, they declared themselves temporary residents in the place that they were, and they never forget their identity and their inheritance. So by their words and by their actions, 
they declare to their worlds in this paraphrase, we are not home yet. And by that same language, Peter will tell Christians in his letter not to sink their roots too deep, not to hang out their boots too high, because we are not home yet. And the third word, scattered or dispersed, is a familiar picture of the ancient Israelites as a whole who were dispersed or were living outside of the promised land. Here, Peter called the Christian in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. They called them the diaspora. Diasporas. They were dispersed not because they were born in another country, because many of them were born and bred in that province, and they'll probably die in that province. But nevertheless, Peter called them the scattered because they were living everywhere else except their promised home. The readers who became Christians, they become like the ancient Israelites who were scattered everywhere and they are longing and they are meant to long to be home. And so Peter, in extending these three words to describe Christians in all generations, including us, we're reminded that though we are chosen when we believe in Jesus Christ, it is for that very fact that we are now considered the scattered, the exiles, because we are not home yet. Now, to be sure, Peter explained in verse 2, in verse 2, that they were chosen not by their own efforts, but by God the Father, through God the Spirit, for God the Son, Jesus Christ. Christians were chosen by God to have a relationship with Him. Now, verse 2 says this, that God chose them because God already knew them personally before they were physically formed. God chose them through the work of the Holy Spirit who helped them to turn from their old rebellion towards obedience to Jesus Christ who cleansed them with his blood. The the truth is the same for all Christians in all generations now who trust in Jesus. Now, I want to be sure as you look at your verse 2 that we must not be mistaken that we can save ourselves by trying to be obedient, trying to be religious, or trying to do more good. Because here's the truth that we know. Whether we are adults or youth or children, if we are Christians, we know from our experience, and we know through the Holy Spirit, that we fail badly when it comes to obeying God. What is outwardly obvious for children, parents see them, are inwardly true for adults, for you and I, who are better at packaging and hiding our rebellion against God. We fail in doing, saying, thinking, desiring perfectly what is right in God's eyes. To even consider religious activities or good deeds to save us, we have thought too highly of ourselves and too lightly and shallow the depth and the weight of that sin that is right inside of us. So much so, the prophet Jeremiah said this in his book, Jeremiah 17 verse 9. He says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And that is 
true for you and me. The nature of our hearts, we are good at deceiving others and we are even very good at deceiving ourselves. And so we are not saved by our ability. Instead, verse 2 tells us we are saved for obedience. That is, we are saved and set apart to live a different life because that is the right way to live. And as we obey Jesus imperfectly, we are by God's grace cleansed by the blood of Jesus on a daily basis. Now I want you to imagine me this scene. A father is bringing his little daughter for a ride, a bicycle trip. So they rented this two-seater bicycle and they were cycling. I think I have a picture right there. Yep. So they were cycling towards their new home. So the daughter was sitting in front and dead behind and she was called to cycle as hard as she can. And she tries and tries and tries. Every time she feels tired, she feels like they're not going to make it. She turns around and sees actually dad is cycling. And she carries on and realizes that they will arrive even though she wouldn't by herself. And that is because it is by the sweat and blood of the dead who will bring them there. So in practical terms, it means for Christians, we are called for daily obedience, but we are totally dependent on the blood of Jesus who sprinkle it to cleanse us and to save us. Verse 2 says Christians are to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. So friends, this is the overarching theme of First Peter 1 verse 1 and 2 that sets out. And the summary statement would have sound like this, that Christians... We are God's chosen people living temporary in this world. We're saved for the future inheritance and for present obedience. But it's probably clearer this way. Yet our previous exercise is true. That Christians, we have that glorious identity and future, but we're not home yet. Okay, that's the big idea. But how does Peter help us to remember this, especially when the going gets tough, when difficulties and suffering and challenges comes to your mind. How do you remember this? Peter helps us to remember this the way that you remember many things. He gives us a picture to help us recognize our glorious future as well as our present suffering. Now, I've watched a fair number of war movies and over the years, I've noticed that there will come a moment in time in those war movies where suddenly whether the bullets are going or whether the sound, everything seems to zone in on one or two uh, soldiers. Could well be the hero. And he will take out something that's crumpled from his pocket and it will be a photo of his loving wife, his girlfriend, his son or daughter or the family. Or perhaps it's a crumpled letter or a token of love. And perhaps with nothing, his eyes or his mind zooms in on that picture of that person and a place. And the soldier was reminded where he is right now is not his home. He's waiting to be, when everything's over, to be with that perfect person in that perfect place because that is home. And that is the kind of picture God's people are meant to have. No, Joseph, he had that picture of God's promised land where he gave up his last breath. Daniel had a picture of God's promised kingdom where he was stuck in the lion's den with the breath of the lion on him. In fact, the whole Hebrews 11 tells us this is exactly how the elects are meant to live. 
not in the presence, but with that future in mind. And so Peter says to the Christians right here in verse 3 to verse 4 in your Bible, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into the inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Now the picture of Jesus' death and resurrection right there in verse 3 carries a reminder that you and I, we have a new birth. We have a new living hope. We have a new citizenship. And we can see that we too will be raised from the dead just like Jesus when we look at his resurrection. And that we have an inheritance kept already right now in heaven for us. And in fact, heaven will descend one day upon us. Now indeed, it is true if you look at your Bible in verse 6, it says there will be suffering. There will be multifaceted sufferings, trial, griefs that you and I or Christians may have for a little while. But this unimaginable, eternal, glorious inheritance is waiting for us and we will have the salvation of our souls. Verse 9. The photograph Peter wants us to keep in our mind is that verse 3, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the picture of what is waiting for us as well, that our resurrection and our salvation of our souls will come in the right place. No, dear friends, as Christians, we are meant to feel like strangers on earth. Yes, we live in our country, we can feel comfortable at times, we speak a common language or a few languages, we know our cultures. Yet, there are part of us that must feel like strangers. We must feel that there are difficulties because we now live with a different worldview and a different home view. Our Christian future is now eternally bound to Christ. And we are not meant to feel apart from what Christ feels. The question for us is this, what does this look like on our day-to-day basis? How does it feel like to be a stranger in this world? Well, here's the thing. Because now we have a new identity and a new and future inheritance, our ultimate home is no longer that dream flat or condo or, or private house that we live in or whether it is 99 years, 999 years, or freehold, we can see with our living hope that we'll be staying there for a couple of years until our breath gives way and it's no longer. It calls us to look upon the death and resurrection of Jesus and be reminded food, shopping, fun, they're great, but they are like vapors. There are things that are far greater value and of eternal worth that we need to grab hold of, the salvation of souls. You know, the picture of Christ's death and resurrection and our future inheritance remind us the most delicious feast and the plainest for, uh, porridge, they actually all come out the same way. Perhaps they look the same as well. You know, the best bargain that promises us happiness, your 11-11, your 12-12, your 1-1, probably 2 2 3, 3 4, 4, whatever, they will ultimately frustrate us. And you know what we'll do? We'll tune to Netflix to look at the documentary like 
minimalist, a Marie Kondo, to set ourselves free from frustrations. But what we need in this life is not a clutter-free life. What we need in this life is the reminder of our future inheritance that is already secured for us in our eternal home. And that's what we need to have. And most importantly, amidst all this, is because of our inheritance and our identity, we need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable in our lives. To feel like strangers because now yours and ours, our worldview clashes with the world. The day that you have to verbalize that you acknowledge you are deeply sinful to others. That by nature we are prone to evil more than good. That humans by nature we are prone to sin. Where we acknowledge we deserve hell but God offers us heaven. When we tell our friends, yes, we are called for good works. But we are safe only and only by the works of Jesus. That clash is going to make life uncomfortable for us. We're called to worship God with our lives and not to be the captain of our own ship. Tell that to your friends and life gets uncomfortable. When we live that life with that different home view, life will be full of challenges. Now as Peter, he hands us this photograph of Jesus' death and resurrection of which our identity and our inheritance are closely bound to, he tells his readers that we should praise God, that we should praise God for his great mercy in giving us this new birth and this living hope with these eyes that can see beyond the flesh. And as you look at it, verse 4, it tells us this inheritance will soon be revealed. And verse 5 tells us we will exercise this trust in Jesus. And as we do that, God will shield us and he will bring us to our destination. Now it is true if you look at verse 6, it says, Yes, we will suffer griefs. We will suffer griefs of many kinds while living against the grain, while we are facing all kinds of trials at home, at work, with your friends while persevering under persecution, while trusting in Jesus in the many great sorrows that comes in life. Look at this. It also tells us that God will use our suffering amazingly to show us a greater joy. He used the suffering to show us a greater joy that our faith is genuine. This is totally contradictory to some teacher's words to say that if God blesses you wealth or health, it is a revelation of your faith. That is totally not true. Verses 6, verses six to 9 tells us that it is in the revelation of your true living hope in the face of suffering that is God's great blessing to us to recognize that our faith is genuine and so the future is awaiting. God will reveal to us what we have inside our faith in Jesus is more precious and valuable than the gold which will decay in the comparison uh, when it's placed next to things that are of eternal value. Now to be sure, it doesn't mean that we'll not feel sorrowful, we'll not feel sad in this world. But it says despite of that, concurrently, 
we can have great joy. Now, I was listening to a podcast by John Piper. He says, ask Pastor John. And he shared his testimony in the recent weeks. And I want to read this directly to you, his own words. This is what John Piper says. My mother was killed in a bus accident in Israel in 1974. I was 28 years old. My brother-in-law called me and told me that my mother was dead. My father was seriously injured and might not make it. That's all he knew. He would keep me posted. I hung out the phone and I told Noel what he told me. I went to the bedroom, knelt down by the bed and wept for a long time. And in my weeping, in my weeping, simultaneously not sequential, I was rejoicing. The weeping was owing to, of course, the overwhelming pain of sorrow and loss, massive loss of one whom I so, so cherish. But then he prayed this. The joy is this. Thank you. Thank you that I had such an amazing mom. Thank you that you gave her to me for 28 years. Thank you that Evidently, she didn't suffer very much. Thank you that she is in heaven and not in hell. Thank you for the countless kindness she showed me growing up. Thank you that my father is still alive. Please save him. Thank you that I will see her again. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us and covering for her sin, my sin, my dad's sin. Every sweet memory that tumbled to my mind made tears flow more and joy tastes sweeter. End of quote. Well, Pastor John recalled clearly how he went to his room with great pain and joy. And in his thanksgiving, he revealed the genuine faith, not just of his mother, but of his own. That his faith allows him to rejoice in a glorious inheritance that his eyes cannot yet see. But you know what, dear brothers and sisters, friends, Pastor John is not alone because you have experienced it or you have at least witnessed it, how Christians around the world can in the same moment with tears and with joy praise God at the funeral of a loved one who believes in Jesus. Verse 8 tells us, look at your own Bible. Verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That is what Christians are meant to experience today. In the Gospel of John, in his 20th chapter, we're told of this moment when Thomas, one of the 12 apostles, he didn't believe that Jesus resurrected from the dead, but when he saw Jesus' flesh and blood, he cried out the first time, My Lord and my God. To which Jesus replied, You have seen me, you believe. But blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet have believed. No, dear friends, those words of Jesus are said for us. For the first readers, because 
we have not seen Jesus, not because Jesus didn't appear, but we were not there at that place in that history to see him die and rose from the dead. But those, the elect, the exiles, the dispersed, they will one day see the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus in person when he comes down with heaven. The question is, are we the exalt elected? Yes, suffering may come our way, but where we are on this side of the cross is truly the best in our passing human history. And that's where the last few verses comes in. That we should not ask to be elsewhere because today, right now, right here, is the best time in our human history because we get to hear the gospel preached to us. We get the explanation of how God is going to save this world through a suffering Messiah or Christ so that we can be saved and be brought into an eternal inheritance and a glorious future in the kingdom of God. Verse 12 says this. Let me read to you as you look at your Bible. It was revealed to the prophets that they were not serving themselves, but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Now, so precious is this side of the cross that verses 10 to 12 tells us the prophets of old could only long for and prophesy and look forward. The angels from creation start, they have been waiting for that revelation of how God can bring glory to himself with a bunch of God image barriers who are rebellious from their hearts. And we are here to understand that it happens in the death and resurrection of Jesus. When God has saved us, the Holy Spirit worked in us, sanctified us, set us apart to obey Him. In the meantime, it is the blood of Jesus that brings us home. So brothers and sisters, as we close this time, our friends who are at home, if you're not a Christian, I, can I say this? I'm very thankful that you are here with us today. You spend your Sunday morning with us, sacrificing it. I pray that if you are with us and you have not heard the gospel clearly, that you connect with us or the friend who have given you this link, that you will hear clearly the sacrifice God has given so that you can have the inheritance beyond the world and what the world can offer. And for us who are Christians, brothers and sisters, can I say this as we close? There's much more that Peter has to say in the rest of this letter. We'll look at them in the coming weeks. But for verses 1 to 12, Peter calls his readers, including us, that we must remember our identity and our inheritance. As we live this life imperfectly in obedience, we'll also live this life trusting in the blood of Jesus. And that we can say to ourselves, to our family, to our loved ones, we are to praise God, that we are to stand firm in our living hope. We are to have our faith in times of trials. We are chosen, we have glorious identity and future, but we are not home yet. May God help us. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.com.